sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Um, I just want to give you tidbits on relationships, if you like. I think, I think we should turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but homongous and adulterous, God will judge. Hallelujah. Marriage is honorable in all. These days, we don't think that marriage is honorable. And some people think marriage is a bother. Marriage is unnecessary. Marriage is all heartache. But the Bible says marriage is honorable. Or to be honored, or to be esteemed in all. And the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28. Are we there? First Corinthians 7 verse 8. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned, and a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. And then we jump to verse 32. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is coming, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Amen. Paul says, I will have you without carefulness. I don't want you to be thinking about a lot of things. That's what he's saying. He said that he that is unmarried careth for the things of God, hopefully. 
Maybe that is a mind in the church. Care for the things of God. But some of us, we are unmarried and then we are not caring for the things of God either. And so I don't know where we are. But I just want to say that everything has a price. Amen. And marriage is God's idea. It's not our idea. It's not Oprah Winfrey's idea. It's not Leno J's idea. It is God's idea. And like everything else, we have to go to the one who made it, the manufacturer, to know the manual by which to operate. Now, I have to say that many Christians are Christians, but when it comes to their lives, marriage, not being married, whatever, they don't go to the manual. That's not what guides us. Many sisters, we are guided more by our emotions. It's annoying me. So whether God says, forgive, love your enemies, I will show him. It's as simple as that. I'll show him where power lies. You know, so what God is saying, we are even deaf. We don't hear. God is shouting. This is the way. And we say, you know what? You have to put men in their right place. So lady pastor, you put the Bible aside and let me manifest or we will say that this situation is different. Lady Pastor, this situation is different. When the Bible says, wives, submit unto your own husband. Then we make a law. We say, oh, submission is slavery. Somebody told me, I'm a woman of the millennium. I don't do certain things. I said to her, if you don't do certain things, then you are not ready to marry because you are a woman of the millennium. And so marriage is God's idea. And God is the one who manufactured it. And God is saying that it is honorable. It is a good thing. You see, before a woman came for there to be marriage, God said everything was good, except that it was not good that Adam was alone. So he said, I will make him a helpmate. That he made Eve. And after that, God did not complain anymore. So when women came, God's creation became complete. And God stopped complaining. Amen, ladies. So it's not that we are trying to whatever. I mean, God himself had a problem with our absence. So he decided to introduce us so that everything would be okay. And as soon as we came, he didn't say anything is no good anymore. He was happy. And so whenever you are married and you are going through a struggle, remember that it's God's idea. In spite of the struggle, it's God's idea. And I think that marriage is just like the Christian life, you know. In the Christian life, you fall in love with God, you are happy, but you have your moments. There are times when you even wonder if God is with you. There are times when you wonder if your spouse loves you or you love him. There are times when you wonder if it was a good idea to give my life to this Christ. In marriage, you wonder if it was a good idea to allow this guy or this woman to put the ring on my finger. I think that every relationship will have its test. And anything that is not tried, you cannot know the quality of it. You know, so before you marry, you say, oh, I'm in love. But it's actually after you are married that you can answer that question. Whether you are in love, because the love will be tested. The Bible says real love is as strong as death. And many waters cannot quench it. Now, many people also, many single people, look on marriage as something that they are waiting to happen. You know, as an event. When it happens, then you are married. But marriage is a process. It's not um, a destination, it's a journey. You you walk together. 
and you don't have anything by when you start out. People say, well, I'm going into marriage as if it's a, a built-up structure and then you just go, no. What you put in is what you get out. Amen. So if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. But many of us from our Mills and Boone and Romantic book, we feel that you don't work on anything. It just happens. Especially the ladies. You know, you think that when he's proposing to you, he'll kneel down and then he'll give you 12 roses and he'll say, you are the, the woman of my dreams. Please marry me. And then you play a little hard to get, you know. And then you give in. And, oh, we'll live happily ever after. You have not thought about many things. <laughs> that thing is just an event. But the real marriage is now going to be played out. And if, as men and women, we are not completing ourselves, it is not marriage that's coming to complete us. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in the Lord and we are complete in Him. Our completeness comes from the Lord. And once we don't have that revelation and we have not grasped that truth, then we are going to run into many problems. Because we feel that this Peter, this John, is coming to make me complete. John himself has a lot of problems he cannot solve. He has a lot of garbage from his background. And from what he has seen and what he has known. And we are expecting him like Jesus Christ to bring us salvation. How can that be? In the same way, the woman herself has her own problem. She's not together. There's no perfect human being. And then you think that, oh, when she comes, as for the bedroom, it will be great. Then you men, you play the film in your mind. She will do this. When I do this, she will do this. When I do this. But the person is not going to be controlled by you. And your thoughts. <laughs> She's also coming as a person. So when you think that she will go through this door, she says, no, I want to go in the side Oh, what a disappointment. Because <laughs> you have lived out the life before the reality sets in. You know, so all of us live life ahead of time. It's good to have expectations. But we don't have to cast our dreams in iron. Our expectations. So that when they don't happen that way, it means all is lost. You know, there's nothing like that. We all dream when we are young, when we are in the university, we are chatting amongst ourselves. So what type of person would you like to marry? Oh, a cool dude, you know, like this. And we say, how many children would you like to have? Then maybe one of your friends would say, four. And then all the others would say, hey, too many. Two, two, two. I said, it depends on us. We are so simple-minded. But when we marry and we enter the reality, we say that, you know, because I say, oh, in, 19, in 2001, I'll have my first one. And after that, three years, then 2004, I'll have the second. Your dreams are running on oil. But life itself does not run on oil. Hallelujah. Life is not based on your dreams and your expectations. It is based on God and your trust in Him. Because there are many things in your dream that are reality, but you have not played it out in your dream. You have not played out your arguments with your husband, your disagreement, your loneliness, your misunderstanding. When you tell him your problem, he begins to give you solutions. Do this. That's not what... When you were beloved, Charlie, is that how you feel? It's not that he's pretending, but he doesn't live with you yet. 
Amen. And it's not that you are pretending, but he doesn't live with you yet. He, he, you are not obliged to give him something to eat all the time. He goes to his house when he's going, but when you are married and he comes, what's for dinner today? I mean, he's there. He's not going anywhere. You know, so all those things affect the relationship. So before you are married, nobody puts wet towels on your bed. Do you understand? Nobody throws his stuff somewhere where they shouldn't be. You live on your own. When you arrange your things, they are in that order. And often we go and marry people who are opposite to us. So when we arrange the things, they are also sent by the Lord to scatter. <laughs> Not long ago, I had a marriage seminar in Accra. Those married two years and below. Then I went around and I said, Why did you marry your partner? The men, you know, one of them said, oh, me, I'm messy. So I married somebody who would clean up <laughs> and put things in the right place. <laughs> then the wife was surprised, ah, that's not the reason. <laughs> but the things that we don't see in ourselves, we look for in other people. And we don't even know that that's what's guiding us. That is why often opposites attract. Because we are looking for what is not our strength. You know, so when you see the person, this is so odd. You, you, you may not even be able to define it, but you find it attractive. This is a nice thing. Maybe you are quiet and reserved, and the person talks to you a lot. And ladies, you want somebody who talks to you and makes you laugh. And so sometimes you see the man, maybe Reverend Joel in church, he makes you laugh. Say, yeah, this man, his wife will laugh, but, but when he's at home... <laughs> When he's at home, he's relaxed, he's tired. It's not time to make his wife laugh. <laughs> so we see the person and it's just a part of the person, but it's not the whole. But it is really a part of a person. You know, but it is not the whole. And marriage brings out the whole. Because you see the person when he's happy, when he's depressed, when he's tired. And it goes through all those moods. How do you keep your stability? emotionally and mentally, in the midst of all this. I think that the key is making Christ the foundation. When Christ is the foundation, and then you are going through a yo-yo situation, you can trust him. That look, I'm going through this, but I know that in the end it will work out. I'm going through this, but I'm still going to obey God's word. When I look at my husband this evening, he doesn't deserve my love. But I'll give him unconditional love because God's word says so. You know, and that is what will keep your stubborn. But we all marry for selfish reasons. We women feel that we are finding security, shelter, and somebody who will love us all the days of our lives. And mind you, it has to be only us. No detours. And the men to think they are finding a great bedroom partner who will do all things. And bless them in all ways. So when you look at it, it is really our selfish reasons. That's why we are looking for what we are looking for. But that's how we are made. But marriage will humble you and bring you to the place where you are not selfish. If you want it to work. You see, then you will start reading 1 Corinthians 13. But before you might, when we ask you, what is love? You say passion, kissing and thrill. After you are married, 
It is part of it, but you will know that the bedrock of love is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful or arrogant. You will have opportunity for all this in the marriage. Patience says love suffers long. That's not what Milton Boone says. Milton Boone, there was no suffering first of all, let alone suffering long. It wasn't part of it. Love suffers long. And whilst it's suffering long, it is kind. It's only the Bible that can say that. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can help us to become that. We ourselves on our own strength, we cannot become that. I mean, how? Love suffers long. And it's kind. Love is not boastful, arrogant. Sometimes we are very arrogant. You know? Sometimes we men are very successful in the corporate world. We go into the office and all the ladies that sing the world of us. And we come home and our, our wives say, you don't do this, you don't do this. Ah, they praise everywhere at work. You, the problem must be you. But those ladies praising you at work, they don't live with you. And they don't go through all those moods. And even when you are angry, you force yourself to be nice to them. Because they haven't done anything to you. The emotional responsibility and all that involved is not there. But when it's there, then it's a different story altogether. So how do we find Mr. Wright, Lady Pastor, or Mrs. Wright, in the midst of all these things? Number one, be the right person yourself. Amen. When you become the right person, you will attract the right person. But often, we point fingers and say, he's not the right guy. She's not the right woman. But we ourselves should start by being the right people. Sometimes when you are married, you start praying, Lord, change my husband. He's this and that. If you are really listening to God, God begins to show you that you rather have to start changing. And that you cannot change your husband and your wife. That one is the work of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the agent of change, not you. And you don't marry hoping that certain things will change. Hallelujah. Oh, he lies to me a lot, but when we marry, he will tell the truth. You know, he, he's not romantic, but when we marry, he will become romantic. When you marry, depreciation will set in. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so ask yourself can I live with this thing? This weakness that I see, this unsavory part of the person. I have to look it in the eye and say, this is what it is. Can I live with it? Can I live with it? But don't say, oh, I hope it will change. I'm praying that it will change. There's no such thing. If the person you are interested in is a lady, she has a temper like a volcano. And then you say, well, when, when we marry, she will, tame, she will become tame. Who said? God has been working on her, then you are now coming to tame her. So you have to ask yourself, maybe you want a volcano. I was once counseling a couple that guy said, I just love the fire in here. <laughs> you know? She gives me a licking and I go a ticking. <laughs> I, I just lick, but I just love the fire in here. I said, really? They've been married only a year. Now he comes. The way she talks to me, Nick Pastor, I don't appreciate it. I said, I saw you like the fire. That's the fire. So now it's gone overboard. You have to call her and counsel. The fire is now burning. So we have to ask ourselves, can we live with this thing that we see in this person? 
And can the other person also live with what he sees? When you find that acceptance, then that's the key. Once both of you can accept, you know, maybe you always arrange your things and your wife comes to scatter them. But then there are other areas in which it's a blessing. You have to celebrate the areas that are blessing. And help each other in the areas that you are weak. And most of the time, because your strengths are your partner's weaknesses, you don't sympathize with him or her. Because for you, it's a very easy thing. You know? If it's very easy for you to overlook issues and just say, no, it's okay. You know, don't... Your partner does something. Why can't you just overlook the faults in me? But he's not like you. You are different. Just overlook it. You are too structured and too... Too somewhere. And that may be true, but because it's your strength, you just find it easy to... You know, and he says, why do you scatter all your things? Yeah, why are you also so rigid? You know, the house will lose a bit. Why? <laughs> but it's because you find it easy to scatter. He also finds it easier to gather and to arrange and organize. You know, so ask yourself, can I live with these differences I see? And some of you, you don't even see anything bad. That's dangerous. You don't know any weakness. You do anything, you'd rather not be that way. You are so in love. Love is blind, but the neighbors are not. <laughs> we are the neighbors who can see everything, but you, you are in love, so you can't see. Your pastor is the neighbor, he can see, but you cannot see. And then you, you think that everything is perfect. Once you think your partner is perfect, I don't think that it is right. You know, maybe the relationship has just started. Maybe with time, you'll get to know what the person's strengths are and what the person's weaknesses are. And also, things don't change, as I was telling you. Whatever is the stumbling block in your relationship is likely to be the area you always have to work on in your marriage as well. Whatever is the stumbling block, maybe you use balloons and your wife is arriving flowers and she's very removed and too practical, you know? And then you think, oh, when I give her flowers, she'll also give me whatever. It doesn't happen. Cards or whatever, it's not like that. Sometimes, even in the relationship, the person is giving you cards and all that. In marriage, you say, ah, but you are just next door to me here. <laughs> what are these cards? It's a waste of money. <laughs> you know? So you have to ask yourself whether you can live with it. And also, don't expect what is your strength to be the strength of your partner. Usually, it doesn't happen that way. Be prepared to be sacrificial. To look to the interest of others. The Bible says love does not speak its own way. But our kind of love, it seeks what it can get from the relationship. By marriage, you should seek what you can give. And some women say to me, I've given and given and given all these years. But I think that God's payday always comes. God always pays back to you. The Bible says you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may inherit the promises. If you are a lady, you are going to get married, or you are single, you are meeting somebody, ask yourself, this man, can I submit to him? This man, whether he's a thing or he's... Can I submit to him? Because some of us are very disrespectful. We cannot submit to the person, and yet we want to marry the person. The Bible says, wives, submit unto your own husband. You see, 
is different from being a girl or a woman and from being a wife. There are two different things. A wife and a woman are two different things. Some of us are women, but we are not wifely yet at all. And if you are very strong-headed as a woman, you are going to have a problem with submission. It's okay to have it as a problem that you overcome or try to obey God. That's okay. But if you have a problem and then you don't see, you always think you are right. Before your husband knows, you are leading him into various things. And usually you will marry the opposite. So the man will be laid back and you will be at the, at the helm of affairs, driving the whole family into things. The fact that he's laid back doesn't mean he has abdicated his throne to you. Amen. He may be quiet, laid back, but he resents you inside for driving him and being that way. And some men too are happy in some areas to say, carry on. Just but ask yourself, can I submit to this man? Is he somebody I'll be proud of to introduce to my family and my friends? Or is he somebody I'll be dodging, you know? So he's just a colleague, he's just a co-worker. He's just... In Manhattan, when we had the program, somebody asked, um, my husband is a welder. I feel so embarrassed. What should I do about it? You know, I was surprised. What's wrong with your husband being a welder? And if he was a welder before you married him, why is it that now you feel that you must hide it? You know, so you must be... <laughs> Acceptance. Acceptance is not only in weaknesses, but it's even in strength and in what the person is. Socially, economically, financially, spiritually, acceptance comes into all those areas. And anything good comes by hard work. But we think that marriage will not be hard work. It's hard work. Even God's relationship with you. Look how God has been struggling with you. And that is one perfect person and one imperfect. How much more two imperfect people? It won't work. So we are two imperfect people who are trying to make it work. So you must ask yourself. I said that you must find fulfillment in yourself. And there is not somebody coming to make you whole. Coming to give you fulfillment. You must have a life before you marry. So ladies, don't think that when I marry, you sit by me at the fireplace and look in my eyes. Doesn't it work? You know, I just asked somebody, what do you like about her? He said, oh, when we met, the way our eyes met and then there was a flash, I knew that. <laughs> you know, my body was going. And I said, but that's not a foundation to build your life on. It's not a foundation. Amos 3, 3, can any two walk except they be agreed? You must be agreed spiritually, emotionally, physically. Financially, there must be some agreement that makes a relationship work. A couple of weeks ago, I was counseling a couple. The man is charismatic. The lady is Catholic. No problem. But now the lady is telling me, Sister Mami, when we want to pray, he wants to go into a room to speak in tongues. I also want to count my rosary. <laughs> and yet, I want him to pray with me. So I asked him, how is that going to be possible? I don't know. And the man said, that's why I keep telling him that when we got married, we agreed that we would go to the same church. And now, 
she's reneging on her promise. And it's not happening. And she's hanging rosaries all over the house. And he doesn't like that. And I said to him, look, they are very good Catholic Christians. Some of them are better than even all of us. But then the difference of the forms of worship is real. When you want to cast out Satan, what do you do? Three Hail Marys, our Father. Which one? And it's caused a chaotic situation. The marriage is almost on the verge of breaking because of these things. They are both Christians, but how to practice what they believe is not a problem. They don't have children yet. When they have children, which one will they? So you have to decide before you even get involved that which way. Some of you to the brothers are not born again and you are dyeing them in wool so that <laughs> they will become born again. When I ask you, are they born again? Say, Lady Pastor, he's a black American. I ask somebody, is he born again? Oh, Lady Pastor, he's a black American. And so what? <laughs> Does that solve the problem? I say, is he born again? Oh, Lady Pastor, he came forward. I always say, it's not by the coming forward, but by their feet. You know them. And we women especially become so blinded that even when the person is not born again, we can see it, but we say, no, he's born again. Yes, he's a baby Christian. <laughs> you see, once we had a church member, and then my children happened to go to his house, and then the man was drinking some alcohol, the person. And my children came home and said, hey, how come this person was drinking alcohol? Is he not born again? So he's a baby Christian. He's now learning to walk with the Lord. And the next Sunday, they saw that my mother says you are a baby Christian. <laughs> so the person came to ask me, hey, I hear you say I'm a baby. I said, well, you are, you are learning to walk because they didn't understand why. Oh, I said, why? Because they said you are a baby Christian. You need to grow up. <laughs> my mother said so. You know, but sometimes, oh, he's a baby Christian. He's learning to come along, you know. It is not you. It happens by it's rare. That you are going to nurture the person. The Holy Ghost which convicts of sin, of righteousness, or of judgment. Not you. You know, it's too much to take on you. And some of you men also get so in love that you don't even think about a godly woman. You think about her vital statistics. And then when she marries and she has babies, all the vitality and the statistics disappear. And then now... What are you going to say? Because what you married is something temporal. And it's not something that remains. So do not marry the package. Marry the content. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's not the package. The package is packaged this way. So one lady said to me, I want to marry a tall man. So that when I talk to him, I'll say, what are you saying? No, what are you saying? <laughs> I want to marry a man with a deep voice. I mean, things that don't make for a successful marriage. Frivolous things. That deep voice will be used to insult you big time. <laughs> so we should build our expectations on real things. Does the person fear God? How, what are his forms of worship? If he's driven, would he obey God or he would obey himself? If he's driven, he's in a tight corner. What will he do? How is he in his church family? How does he relate to his pastors, his church family? What does he say about the church? Because his relationship with the church, he can easily go out when you have problems in a beast. And that would show you. You know, somebody said, oh, as we don't need counseling, lady pastor, we know everything. 
That alone shows that you are not submitted to authority. Because we say that married couples, people getting ready for marriage should be counseled for at least six months. You know, before you pass out. And even that, the six months, I think that some people sit in the class and don't hear everything. They are in a hurry. And then later they go and take the book and but at least they learn something and it's interactive. As somebody who says we don't need counsel, we know everything. It's dangerous. Why is he in such a hurry? Cutting corners and everything just to marry. And we'll not even do biblical and word based things. You must ask yourself why. But we don't want to ask why. And some of you think, Oh Lady Pastor, I'm married, but I'm married to an unbeliever. So I can't help him. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says your unbeliever husband will be won by your conduct. Coupled with fear, fear of God. But many of us women, we believe that they will be changed by our talking. So we talk, you did this, you did this, you did that. Last in 1958, you did it. 1960, the same. 62, you followed up with this. Look, I'm tired of this thing. And we keep on and on and on. I know because I'm a woman. Then later, we reflect to say, I don't think he understood my point. I think I should go back and say in another way and explain with diagrams. So you go back, you explain with diagrams and the thing is becoming harder. I think that one of the phrases men fear most or we need to talk because that's the last thing they love to do. Discussion, details, how come we came to this point? But we are verbal and we are like that. And so we expect them to be like that. Five reasons why. Six reasons to solve this problem. But men are not verbal. It doesn't mean they shouldn't meet us halfway, but we shouldn't expect them to be exactly like us. But that's what we expect. So you see, I feel these days that our relationship is going down the lane I don't appreciate. What does it mean? <laughs> First of all, you feel. Secondly, it's going down the lane. Which lane? You don't appreciate. What are the facts? You don't have any facts. You're just... You understand? There's no logical. So go for the real things you are talking about. I think that we are growing apart because one, when you come from work, this is not happening. I think that the solution is to the back. No, we are so wrapped up in our feeling world and our emotional world. But when we say I feel, you know, we feel that the person understands. I feel, I feel very hurt by what you did. Oh, really? What did I do? He doesn't even see what. And we, we have gone, had the burial ceremony, everything. We've moved ahead with the pain. You know, we've had a funeral, a real funeral morning. And when you tell your husband, ah, but well, I didn't mean that. What you are saying, what are you talking about? Then you think, no, he's not speaking the truth. But he's really speaking the truth. And it's all because there are gender differences also. Gender differences exist. So don't expect the person you get married to, to be exactly like you. It doesn't happen that way. They are more logical. And then, they also hibernate to think. So sometimes when you are talking to your husband, he doesn't respond there and then. But we are there, but we want a response now. I'm telling you something. Respond. But he comes after a week and says, Oh, what you were saying? Hello? Hello? He comes after a week and says, What you were saying? You know, I think... Whatever we think. Why didn't he speak there and then? So we need to ask God for wisdom to understand who a man is and what he is. I find that quite strange sometimes. 
But that's how they are, and they are just not like us. And the men, so the Bible says, dwell with us according to knowledge. It means that you have to go to school to live with us. And some of you have to go to school to even relate to a woman before even marriage. You know, you don't know what it means. Sometimes you just say something, she best stop crying. You don't know what to do, so you walk out because you can't, you can't handle it. You just can't handle it. So your best, somebody calls and says, my wife is facing me here, 1 a.m., shouting. So I said, so what do you want to do? I'm wearing my shirt, I'm going out. <laughs> For him, that's the solution. To walk out on the whole mayhem and because he doesn't know where to hold in the problem. And then the woman thinks, I've been abandoned. He doesn't care. He's just walking out on me. I've been ignored. But it's because he has a handicap. He doesn't know how to solve the problem. You are crying, you are talking. What should he say? So he has to now learn about that. And say, you have to say something. Even if you don't want to address the issue, say, we'll talk about it later. It seems to be composed, to be alright. It's not just comfort. The Bible says that we are the weaker vessel. And when I read the biblical reference in the Dick's Bible, it says, more beautiful and delicate. More beautiful and delicate. You see, men were made directly from the soil. Women were made from the side of life. So we are a bit more refined. <laughs> and I think we have more humanness about us. You know? Because we are made from the side of man. We are more human, more feeling, more... And you are raw, rough from the... We are not like that. So when you roughen us up like that, it doesn't work. You know? But just show us that you understand. You don't have to agree. But just to understand is enough. When a man is in a relationship and he breaks up, usually he recovers faster and he moves on. But he's surprised to hear after three years that the woman is still crying. The weaker vessel. She's following you, monitoring you by internet. He's married. He's got a, a, a beloved. He's left there. He's moved here. He's done this. He has a wife. He has two children. The person has left you, girl, but you are in his life. So dwell with us according to knowledge. Amen. And also, as I was saying, does the person fear God enough? I think that when a woman fears God, She'll make a good wife because even on the pain of death, even when she's crying, she will obey God's word because God says so. But if she's somebody who obeys sometimes and doesn't obey sometimes, when it comes to the crying, she'll say to hell with you, what? God, there'll be no fear of God. And the fact that a woman is busy in church does not mean she's God fearing. Because as a woman are very active doing this, doing, but they, they have their own mind. They're coming to say what? I rule myself. I rule myself. What bring you? You bring your mind. Uh-huh. You say we should do what? You know. So the fact that a woman is busy in the house of God is a good sign. But you must go beyond that to know who she is personally. Sometimes she's so busy in the house of God she will not cook for you. She's so busy in ministry she will leave her whole full sink and go out to cast out demons. There must be balance in our lives. The Bible says, God hates a false balance. And some of us are falsely balanced. We are good at work, 
We are good at church. We are good at whatever. But in the house, we are not good as wives. If you are a supervisor at your workplace, don't come and supervise your husband at home. As soon as you come home, you are a wife. And so you wear your wifely garments and you minister to your husband. The fact that you have been controlling 40 men at work doesn't mean your husband is the 41st. <laughs> to add to your team of men who work under you is your husband. You have to honor him as such. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to be brief so that I'll give more time for questions because I think that the questions will bring out whatever we have to talk about. I was saying that when you are single, you must have a life. You must have things you enjoy doing. You must have a hobby as a woman, especially. Because women are always waiting in the house for their husbands to come. You know, the hobby is dating. <laughs> when your beloved says he's coming to visit you, everything stops. No cooking, no reading, no... You're just waiting. Everything has stopped. It's not supposed to be that way. You must have a life. Ask yourself, what do I enjoy doing? A marriage should not kill that thing. It may moderate it. It may moderate it, but it must not kill it. If it's reading, if it's meeting people, if it's working in the house of God, you must continue because that's where you will find your fulfillment. You know, you can't just cut it out just because you are now ready to marry. No. And you need your girlfriends as well. When you are a woman, you need your because they will understand you. You know, when he said it, it really hurt me. Your girlfriend will say, that alone is comforting. But some of you cast off all your friends because of one man who has come into your life. You need godly friends who will give you good advice. Not friends who will say that, oh, I just dumped mine. You need to dump yours and let's go. <laughs> go away. But certain women talk like that. Even in the church. You know, certain people tell me, a lady told me, I've gone to hire one room. Please. For what? I'm just ready. Anytime he misbehaves, I'll be on my way. I said, really? She said, oh, yes, I've even paid in advance. Does your husband know? Oh, not at all. Not at all. He has no clue. Not the foggiest idea. But I've, I said, so is it finished? Said, oh, I'm now finishing it. You want to buy a bed and all the things that I can do. So I said, so is that what God's word is? God's word doesn't say that, but it's hard. Just like that, I said, when Jesus was dying on the cross, it was hard. It's hard. It costs to obey God. But if you are able to move beyond pain, you will be okay. My mother says that, and she's being remote control. Everything she does, my mother says that. And then what she's telling the daughter now is not conducive to the marriage. So the husband doesn't know that. He's fighting more than what is between here and his wife. He's fighting a higher power by remote control. You know, and that power is saying that, look, if he does any nonsense, just come home. Okay, there's always a place for you. You are loved. That's what she told me. So my, my mother says I'm loved. So if he shows any unloving traits, I should just come home. I'm loved. Advice. Has it worked? Your big sister's life, it didn't work. How come I've not thought about it? You know, so who advises you? Your friends. Are they godly? Or they just said, oh, he's a cool dude. He has a lot of money. Life will be very good. You see, because we came on earth, women, when we came, the, the fish of the sea were there, the birds of the air, the trees, everything was there. When we came, it was there in place, comfort. And sometimes, often, in the name of comfort, you start to, your husband wants to come to church. Oh, no. Today we are having a brunch for two. So let's just stay at home and 
he's going for a prayer meeting. Oh, don't go. Then when trouble sets in, you can say, Pastor, prayer meeting, he doesn't come. This is, it's not because you are concerned, because your marriage. But life is more than your marriage. Your marriage and when you do, other things will be added into you. When you are looking for a partner, when you are with him, is he somebody who is your friend? People marry people who are not their friends. How? What are you going to talk about? You need a friend. When all is said and done and the candlelight has been blown up and the red roses are, you need a friend to talk. I have a very intellectual friend, you know. I said, really? What are her interests? Do you think a person like you can marry such a lady? I don't think you can. Because even when I meet you, you are studying so cool. And now it translates into ordinary life. And you are playing classical music. Things that this woman will cry about when she comes to live with. So you have to have common interests. Yeah. Common interests. Sometimes they are not the same, but they merge and they are common. You have things to talk about. Things to joke about. Let there be laughter in your house. Not every day you don't have anything to talk about. There are couples that don't have anything to talk about. After bedroom, eating. That's all. There's nothing. How are the children bills to be paid? That's all. Nothing. And if you are married and your marriage has reached back and decide I'm going to make And some of us, we look for friendships outside our marriages. And so we don't build friendships with our spouse. Then you're always going to talk to some lady. Hey, do you remember what Plato said when because she can contribute to us? And when you come, you look at your wife from the corner of your eyes. You look at her sleeping as usual. <laughs> so you must share common interests, a common God, common goals, common visions. A vision that you are prepared to pursue, even as a woman. He's going here, you are going with him. And know that when you marry, your geographical position is decided by your husband. Because you may discuss, he may meet you halfway, but it may not always be halfway. You want to say he wants to go to Afghanistan. Are you ready for that? I asked some sister, I said, oh, we'll say where I decide. He said, it's an illusion. Where you decide, after a while, it will not be that way. So you have to ask the person, what are your dreams? And even, you won't see many of the dreams now. As he also lived, he's also acquiring new interests, new, so you have to be flexible in marriage on both sides. We all don't have to be so rigid. My mother says that when you don't bend, you break. You must be able to be malleable. Bend, you know. The relationship goes through different phases. Not because something bad is happening, but because both of you are growing. When you are youthful, you are somewhere in the bedroom. Later, you want more friendship, more relationship. I read it in He Motion by T.D. Jesus. There's a man writing. He said that now that he's in his 40s, he's still active in the bedroom, but that's not the priority. The priority is his relationship with his wife and just relating to her deep relationship without the very romantic and hot and fiery nights. You know, but... Being able to find your place as the relationship progresses is all part of it. And I believe that some of you here also are already married. You need to come to a place of forgiveness. That's what the Lord is telling you. You've been, you've been um, sinned against. You've been given the bad end of a stick. You, you feel that you've been wronged. The only way to go forward is to wipe the slate clean. And to start all over again. To behave as if it never happened is forgiveness. It's not that you don't talk about the issues. If you need to talk about it, talk about it. But even that, you may not need a whole UN conference. You have to talk in bits. 
been able to progress, in, a, in order to be able to progress. But if you sit down one whole conference, you may not get anywhere. But you speak a bit, come back, revisit, speak a bit, that's fine. But the key is to forgive and release. And for me, the cornerstone of any successful relationship is the ability to forgive. And most of us are holding on. We are not able to forgive. So he did one, two, three, four, and five. It's all forgive. And begin to say that, look, the Bible says, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that you will sort out your issues. Some women say to me, but you don't know. Some of you, you are single, but you are jilted. And believe that all things work. All things are not good. But it will work together for good. All the bad things that have happened in your marriage, it will work together for good. It will make the marriage more stable. Because it has had scarred missiles and things and it has survived. And it is when it's able to overcome and then it prevails. Hallelujah. So may the Lord bring you to that place. Remember, especially single people, forgiveness is the key. And you have many opportunities to forgive your spouses or your beloveds because I think that in marriage you are so intertwined emotionally that the person closest to you is the person who hurts you the most. It's easier to let it go. But when it's somebody you are really intertwined with emotionally, that God will always give you the good gift. And when you forgive, even as a wife, it puts you in a class nobody else can be in. Because nobody can offer your husband that quality of forgiveness that you do. So it puts you in an unparalleled position. Okay, so I think I'll go on and on. So let me start the question. So write down your questions. You don't need to. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.